Good morning, Door Creek. It's good to be together today. Hear you singing this morning. Good, good for my heart. And if you're a guest here today, my name's Mark, one of the pastors here, and we are continuing second to last message in the series Simplify. And today's message is about parenting. And the minute I say parenting, somebody's going, ah, uh, that's not me. Like, if I'd only known, that's really nice. I could have done church outside today because it's really nice. What does this have to do with me? So just a couple things. Um, the answer is it actually has everything to do with all of us uh, because when the Bible talks about parenting, it doesn't just talk to parents. When it talks about raising kids, it, it, I, I was looking for it, didn't find it in the Bible. I didn't read It Takes a Village. It's not about a village. It actually talks about it's the generation's responsibility that all of us together have a responsibility to help the next generation know, love, and serve God. And as we come to God's word, actually, I think we're going to find it to be a really good word, a word that encourages us. God always does that in his word. To be sure, God's word teaches. God's word helps us know when we've gotten off track and how to get back on track. And it trains us, it prepares us to live rightly before God and with each other. So it's a good word. And as we hear what God says to parents about what should be the goal, the goal for parents, all of a sudden it gives us insight to say, oh, so that's for me too, because I'm a kid. And this is what God wants for all of us. So glad that you're here and uh, I hope you receive a good word from God that encourages you. Because for some of us, parenting just brings up, like for some of us parents, guilt, regrets for kids that aren't parents yet. Like hard, didn't really feel good about how my parents parented. Um, and so I hope you find this is a, a message that's encouraging to you in your understanding of who God is, and what it means to live for him. So, on this whole note of the generations, here's what the Bible says. Psalm 78. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he's done. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Psalm 78, verses 4 through 7. So Lori and I are parents. We got five kids. So this year, for the first time, empty nesters. I've been saying this. Don't tell the kids we're having a blast. It's really fun. <laughs> and it's kind of like empty nest in quotes, because like sometimes it's empty and sometimes it's not. And we love it when our kids are in and out and come and uh, say hi to mom and dad. So um, five kids. We know a lot about parenting. And we remember how exhausting it was in the early days. We remember what it's like to change diapers like for 10 years, lots of diapers. We remember the first steps and the first words. And we remember the, the falls and the runs to the emergency room. And we, we remember them going off to kindergarten. And we remember graduations. And uh, it, it, it was great. And, and yet it was really hard. And we didn't do it all right. We, we didn't, like, figure it out. So I'm not coming to say, so we had a lot of time to practice, and we finally got it right with the fifth one. So get your paper and pencil out, because this is no-fail parenting advice right here. 
Now, no, we didn't, we didn't quite get it like that. So I remember, I, so I started ministry a long time ago as a youth pastor. I did that for a decade. So, I mean, this is looking back, I'm going, what was I thinking? But parents were always coming to me because, you know, I'm like the expert on middle school and high school kids because I do life with them. And so they'd ask me questions, and like, I always had the answer. It was amazing. I was really sure about, then I had kids, and it was like really humbling because not only did I know if I didn't have the right answers, I wasn't sure if I knew what the questions were back then. So this is not about the My Fair's best advice for you on how to be a great parent. That's not what this is about. What it is about is recognizing there's a ton of pressure going on right now in raising kids. A lot more. Pew survey says 80% of parents who parented kids 20, 30 years ago say it's a lot harder, a lot more pressure on parents today. So let me just tick off a few of those. Why is that? Well, there's more options, there's less time, and every parent wants to give their kid every advantage and take, take, take advantage of all the opportunities. And more kids are being raised by single moms and dads. 25% of kids in America being raised by a single parent. 80% of single parents, moms. I want to just say, any single parent here listening to me now, Door Creek, we, we esteem you, we understand. It's hard when you're doing it with two and it's harder. We want to be a part of coming around and being family with you as you're pointing your kids to Christ. There's the work-life balance. There's the kids' safety, their health needs. Some of us have huge needs with our kids, and it's putting tons of pressure. Some of us are actually raising grandkids, and we know now why God had us have kids when we were in our 20s and 30s, because, man, this is hard to do this in our 60s and 70s. There's educational pressures, not just to get them into a, a good career or maybe into college, but man, there's pressure today like, is my kid gonna be accepted into kindergarten? Because like, there's all this criteria. We didn't have that. It was like, kindergarten, your kid's five, great, let's go. And we'll catch them up wherever they need to be. There's all this pressure. There's financial pressure. The Department of Agriculture says if you're raising a kid and you get them for the next 18 years, right, to 2034, it's going to cost you with inflation over $300,000 to raise this kid. And you're going, all right, we're changing the family plan right now. I mean, what were Lori and I thinking when we had five children? Wow. So financial pressures. Then there's these expectations. I think this is the big thing. There's more information. There's more access to other people who are parenting and people to your parenting. We've posted it. It's all there. You've got your own expectations. Then there are your parents and your spouse's parents and you've got your friends. And then there's all these experts out there. You know, you need about 100 bucks to get a blog and now you're an expert and you get all this expert advice culture saying this is what it looks like to be a great parent. The church is saying this is what it looks like to be a great parent. And it can be really just overwhelming. So I was just kind of cruising around the internet and so I just keep, kind of give you a taste for this. So I found these five steps to positive parenting, a whole book on it. The seven steps to biblical spanking, another book. Oh no, that wasn't a book, a blog. Seven steps. I didn't know it was that complicated. Seven <laughs> steps to biblical parenting. Nine steps to foster growth. 10 steps to effective better parenting. 12 huge mistakes parents can avoid. And like, I just listed 43 things, and you're going, how, how, I can't keep up with that. Can't keep up with that. So this week, I sent a text 
to a whole, almost uh, a dozen or so friends, many from this church and others from around the country that I just respect as a parent. And I said, just one or two things of advice that you give to a parent, Christian couple that's trying to raise, Christian single mom or dad that's trying to raise up their kids for Christ. And, and so let me give you some of these. This is really great. Uh, first one, be real and consistent. Be willing to say, I'm sorry. Don't compare your parenting with somebody else or your kids. That's so hard with all the social media stuff going on. Put your marriage first before your kids. Be patient, tender. Love them unconditionally, right? Hug them a lot. Remember, you're a parent first and foremost. You can be their friend later. There's more. Teach them obedience and respect. Share meals together. Read and pray with them regularly. Cultivate thankfulness. Teach them to work hard and to enjoy working hard, right? Foster independence. Give them the freedom to fail. Spend time with them. Don't worry about being perfect. Just be present. Don't have favorites. This is like, this is tremendous advice. But it's overwhelming to keep track of it all. It's overwhelming. I remember when I was learning golf, and I'm still learning golf, and I'm using golf illustrations two weeks in a row, I realized, because I haven't played yet, and so this is my way, it's like I'm almost playing. So, <laughs> so, you know, the golf swing is like, there's like a hundred things you're supposed to keep track of, and you can't, you know, and so, you know, you're, you're here, and you get your, you're trying to get your balance right, you're supposed to have your toes can wiggle, and then you got to have your grip right, and the face of the club right, and your left arm straight, and you're supposed to drag it slowly back the first 12 inches, and all these things, and your leg, and your turn, and all, and you know, when you're trying to remember 52 things, it doesn't go very well. And so when it gets real simple, you just kind of say to yourself, just, Mark, slow down and just keep your head down. Just watch the ball. And I love when, when you actually survey God's word. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom proverbs. There's like one or two verses in Ephesians 6 and in Colossians 3 that talk about parenting dads don't exasperating training them bringing them up in the nurture and the training and instruction of the Lord there's really not a whole lot but there's like one great teaching that gives us one clear goal and I'd say that's simple that's what it means to keep your head down on the ball keep your eye on the ball and it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 so grab your Bible Deuteronomy is the fifth book in your Bible so it's towards the front Genesis Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, translated, means second law. It's the second time that God's law is coming to the people of God. The first time was right when they left Egypt at Mount Sinai. Moses, the Ten Commandments. You got it? The second one is 40 years later as they're getting ready to enter the promised land. And the reason they didn't get there 40 years ago is because they were disobedient. They didn't live in faith. And that whole generation died. It's now this generation that were kids when they walked out of Egypt. Now are parents and ready to cross into the promised land. And here's what Moses says 
as God's message comes through him. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me, Moses says, to teach you to observe, to obey, in the land that you are crossing the Jordan, the Jordan River, to possess, so that you, your children, and their children, your grandchildren after them, may fear the Lord your God. So fearing the Lord doesn't just mean being afraid. There is this sense of reverence and awe. But fearing the Lord in the Old Testament is like that they would trust, that they would believe. That's Old Testament language for faith, that they would fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that they may enjoy long life. Yeah, that's good. We want our kids to enjoy that. God's blessing, long life. Hear, Israel, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here it is. Here's the, the simple goal. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, parents. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So it's a simple goal. And the goal is this. The object of a Christian parent is to see their sons and daughters love God with all that they are and all that they have. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's so easy for us to lose our way, to say, well, we want them to be well-mannered and well-behaved. That's a good thing, but that's not the ultimate goal. We want them to succeed in life. God says, this is what it looks like for your kids to succeed in life. Make this the goal. Make this the point of your parenting. Make this the point as one generation passes it on to the next. You're an older brother or sister. You're helping out with kids downstairs. You're a, you're a small group leader for students. You're, you're a parent. You're a grandparent. You're an aunt. You're an uncle. You're, you're a neighbor to these kids that they still want to play with you. And you're going, what's wrong with this picture? Like I'm in my 30s and their kids are coming over to see if I can come out and play. And you, what, what do you want to do here? God says, here's what I want you to do with this next generation. Help them know that I am the Lord. And that I am the one and only God. I alone am God. And that I desire a relationship and prepare these kids to have a relationship where they experience God's love and reciprocate in love and obedience and trust to this God. Jesus says of this command, verse 5, that it, it summarizes all the commandments. All the commandments can be put under this one heading of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength Jesus says and so that is our clear goal and there's two simple instructions that flow from that in verses 6 and 7 look at verse 6 these commandments he's just given them again the 10 commandments that are all subsumed under loving the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts so God's saying it's not enough to know that the goal is 
that your kids love me with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I want you to know, Mark, that you can't impart what you don't possess. There is no way your kids are going to be lovers of God if, if you are not modeling. I should, I should say that, I, I want to say that again. There is a way because of God and his grace. But if you are in, wanting your kids to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, then if we're not doing it, God is not going to be using us in that mix. He may use some other people to do that, but it's not going to be us. So if, if we aren't lovers of God and helping our kids understand what that means of being in a relationship with God that transforms every area of my life so that God isn't a category in my life, but he's a relationship that walks into every category of my life and they see that lived out authentically, humbly, and we understand that we don't perfectly do that. One of the purposes of the law is not just to reveal who God is, not just to tell us, again, what it looks like to walk in faith with God, but the law continues to call us up short. It reminds us that we don't perfectly love God, that we need a Savior. We need someone like Jesus who always loved God with his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so our kids will hear us say, you know what you did is really wrong. I've had to do this. You probably never had to do this. I had to do this more than once. Sweetie, what you did, I was wrong. But how I responded was wrong too. And I need to ask you to forgive me. I'm really sorry that I got angry and corrected you here in anger. Not good. Forgive me. There's this humility. There's this transparency where we're pursuing this relationship with God not because, because of what we're doing, because what he's done. God has already taken them out. This is the beautiful thing about the law. He has, he has already rescued his people out of Egypt. He's already wrought deliverance. He's, he's delivered them, and he's delivered from slavery into this relationship. And he didn't say, and here's the deal, you get the relationship by obeying the law. No, he gives us the relationship because of the victory he gave them over Pharaoh and the victory he gives us because it's all pointing ahead to Christ, the victory that is ours in Christ. And so we're living this out. We love God because he first loved us. And if we love God, we're keeping his commands. He says, if you love me, you keep my commands. And so we're modeling this life that's completely submitted to Christ and it's growing because like we're not completely submitted to Christ. And he's reminding us of what's not completely submitted to him. And so there, there's this ongoing faith and trust and repentance where we're going, oh, that's not of God. That's not like Christ. And we turn away from that. And our kids are seeing, that next generation is seeing as our grandkids are seeing that. So we don't want to get confused here on what is most important. What's most important is our kids know and love and serve God. So when you think about parenting, don't be surprised if parenting's not just about helping your kids move towards Christ, but it's calling us to depend more on Christ. Because how many times have we not been Christ-like when we've been parenting? And it just reminds us, Jesus, I need you. I need your spirit. Because the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, like, Whoa, short supply today. I, I, I need you. I've been impatient. I haven't been kind. I, I, 
I don't have your love. I am so mad at my kid right now for what they've done. And I, I don't have your unconditional love. I, I, I need, I, I need you, Lord Jesus. And that's one of the gifts of, of parenting. It's one of the gifts in, in marriage and family. It's one of the gifts in relationship that it, it reminds us we're, we're short. We're not Christ yet. He's working in us and, and we need him. And so that's the goal. I'd say what a grace in all the 59 different things we can think about in parenting that God would just say to us, hey, just, re- just remember, here's what's most important at the end of the day. Pray, model a life that loves God so that your kids would do the same. That, that, that is the most important thing. That's the thing we live for. That's the thing we're praying about. That's the kind of influence we want to have on this next generation so that they see us. They don't see some weirdo. They see somebody that actually has a relationship with God that is, that is winsome, that is appealing to others, that is making a difference, that is giving us peace in hard times and giving us a sense of how we can live our life for other people, a strength and a security and how we handle things. Beauty. Christ's work of grace in our lives. So that's the first thing. If you want that to happen in your kids, then it's got to be happening in my life. We can't give it away if we don't have it. And so we will, by God's grace, do that. So then he talks about impressing, impressing these things on the minds and hearts of your kids. That word, impress, it speaks of something that's really sharp, like an arrow, like a sword, like the teeth of uh, a snake and these sharp things that penetrate and so he says I, I want you to teach I want you to train I, I want you to repeat these things over and over again so your kids have this on their hearts and, and it's just driven deep into their hearts so that they're lovers of God and they're following and trusting God as uh, excuse me as God calls us to so when he does that you'll notice what he does he, he doesn't say, so the best thing you can do is every day spend 15 minutes with your kid and give them as much of the Bible as you can. Now, I grew up in a family where we, every breakfast, we had a little devotional. It was the daily bread. You can still get that. And we read the daily bread and uh, we went off on our day. At the end of the day, we had dinner together and then after dinner my dad would read a portion of the bible and then we would pray sometimes he would pray sometimes we'd go around the circle so i got three sisters so there's six of us and i'll be honest i hated family devotions i wanted to go play because the sun was still up my friends were out in the neighborhood and like this was killing me and my dad prayed long prayers (laughs) So I, I, I figured out that if I swallowed air, did you know this? If you swallow air, you can make your stomach kind of make all these funny noises. And so I, I could swallow like a lot of air and make all these crazy sounds. And my sisters started to giggle. And then once my mom started to laugh, I knew devotions were over because my dad, he would just say, that's it. That's it. We're done. And off I'd go in the neighborhood. So I'm so glad that my parents did that. And one of the things that happens when, 
when we do this with our children is it trains them. I, I don't know if cognitively I picked up with all the truths that we were reading in Scripture. But what I did catch through the training was God's word is important. We come around God's word. It informs how we do life. What I did understand is prayer is important. And through that, there actually is a God that we're praying to. And I guess we're assuming that he hears us. And my parents prayed for me. Like they didn't freak out when I was freaking out in middle school and I was a train wreck. And if you knew me then, the last thing you'd say is, I bet one day he's going to be a pastor. <laughs> and you wouldn't have said that. But, but, you know, they, they were training. They, they were, when, when my mom was taking notes in church, when I'd see her get moved, so my parents, totally different personalities, I'd see my mom weeping in church. When I heard her praying in the kitchen, when she prayed with me for me, she, she was training and teaching me that, that God's alive, that Jesus is real. She talks to him, that the word is important. When my dad was reading through the Bible every year and he was ticking off the boxes, I, I, did, I just knew these things. But the, here's the deal. Deuteronomy 6 doesn't say, now get to work and have these great family devotions. You should. Let me give you a hint. Really short. Really short. There's some great resources on your, on your message question page. Really short, right? But what's he saying? Hey, this is the classroom. It's called life together. From the morning when they get up to the evening when they go to bed. When you're in the home, when you're along the road, when you're going to the pig, you're going to the ace, you're going to this place, you're going to that doctor's point. That you're just always living with God and bringing God into the conversation that you're having with your kids. You're letting your kids know this is a relationship that is real. A God who loves me. A God who wants me to be in relationship with him. This is what it looks like to love God. And so when we talk about obedience, we're helping our kids know, hey, we, why do we want our kids to obey us? Not just because life is simpler. Because we want them to trust and obey and follow God. Why do we want them to listen to our voice? So that they'll listen to God's voice. Why do we want them to know that we have a relationship with God so that they can find a relationship with God and in that relationship find strength and grace and forgiveness and hope and life? And so parenting is so much more than raising well-mannered kids. It's about the heart. And the heart of parenting is their heart. And as Ted Tripp says, our goal as parents is to shepherd that heart. We're protecting it. We're nourishing it. We're guiding it. We're always pointing that heart to Christ. And when they're young, their need for Christ. And so when bad behavior manifests, it's not just about trying to modify their behavior so that everybody in the house finally can get along and will get a good night's sleep and will have a good day. It's not about having a good day. And it's not about them changing their behavior. It's actually about what's underneath the behavior. And what is it about wanting mine and stealing toys that the other kid... What, what is it about that? Well, it, it's about some heart issues. The Proverbs says this in Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. And so we're helping them track 
the attitudes under the behavior to let them know not just that that's wrong and you need to respond differently next time, but why is that wrong and what's driving that? It's right here in my heart and your heart. And sweetie, you need a new heart. I need a new heart. I need God's grace every day for my heart so that I'm loving him with all my heart. And so parenting is pointing kids to a God who loves them, pointing them to their own hearts that need God's love to transform their heart. We're modeling that we need God's transforming power, not just back when we started following him, but today and every day. And so... God says to parents, he says, it's not just in the words. It's not what you just teach and all the things that you do to train your kids. But man, you want to, they're visual learners. So you've you got to have it out in front of them all the time. And, and so it talked about, you know, you have these symbols. You tie them to your hands and arms. You tie them to your forehead. You, you, you put it in the architecture of your home so it'll become the architecture of their hearts. And the Jewish people have taken this literally. You, you find Orthodox Jews and you'll see they got, little, they got little phylacteries, these little leather cases hanging from their forehead. And inside these leather cases are four scriptures and one of them is the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They have these phylacteries and, and they're binding the, the scriptures around their arms. You could see them when we were in Jerusalem. We saw them doing that and, and they still do that. They have these, they have these little uh, boxes on the right side of a, of a door post and you see that little mezuzah it's called. And inside that little box, they, they've got the scriptures and they, and they touch it and they kiss it. It's, just, it's visually, it's in front to remind the parent, this is cardinal, this is most important, to remind the kids, hey, this is what it's about. I'm supposed to love God, I'm supposed to love God with all that I am and all that I have. And why would God say, don't just say it, but make sure it's visible in front of them in all the ways that we might do that today? Because it's easy to forget God. And it's easy to forget this command. And it's easy in the busyness of a very complicated life to just lose track of ground zero here. So look at verses 10 through 12. He's, he's, they're on the one side. They're on the eastern side of the Jordan. They're going to cross it to go into the promised land. And he says, here's what's going to happen. You guys have been wandering in the wilderness where God has been taking care of you, giving you bread every day giving you quail to eat, your clothes haven't worn out, and your shoes haven't worn out. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to cross this river, and here's what you're going to get into. You're going to settle in to these new places, and you're going to settle and live in homes that you didn't build. And you're going to drink from the cisterns and the wells that you didn't dig, and you're going to have grapes from the grapevines you didn't plant, and olives and olive oil from the, from the groves that you didn't plant. You're going to be in houses that are full of stuff, and you didn't buy any of it. And, and you're going to eat, and you're going to be satisfied, and you're going to forget. Be careful that you don't forget me in this land of plenty. And you guys, we live in the promised land when it comes to abundance. Remember what we said last week? If you make $40,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world's population. Top 1%. You know, I don't make that much. You make $25,000 a year, top 10%. And the danger is that all the stuff and all the affluence and all the things that we're chasing can just crowd out God and, and make us feel like we don't need God because we've got all this stuff and that's what makes me happy. And, and I've got this money and that's what gives me security. 
And we say, I, I really don't need God. Be careful that you do not forget God. So let me ask you this question. What is the goal of your parenting right now? What is the goal? When you just think about it, so what am I, what are we just spending a lot of our energy on? What are we investing in? What is our goal? I didn't put this up as a tip, but this is free. One of the best things Lori and I did is we looked at our five kids, and I said to her, do you see any future pro athletes? She said, no. I said, me either. I said, so let's not act like it. Do you know that only 2% of high school athletes get a scholarship? Did you know the average sports scholarship is only 11,000? Do you know the percentage of college athletes that are going to make it in the, in, the, in, the, in the big leagues? Like 1% in basketball, less for women's hoops. Football, not even 2%. Baseball is the sport. You might, 10% chance. I mean, it's like, what, what is the goal? What are we going after here? And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to get down to, it's going to get to, where, where are we spending our time? Where are we spending our money? What are, what, are, what are our deepest longings for our kids? Have we lost our way? Have we lost this whole thing of you cannot parent by proxy? If your hope is, you know, I'm so glad Door Creek loves kids. We do. They're like awesome people downstairs loving on your kids right now. There's awesome student pastors and a group of adults that love on our students. But here's the deal. We get your kids like one, two hours a week out of 168. And let me just, let me just go after something. So ladies, take a breather. I want to go after the men right now. And I'm speaking to myself. Um, it is not acceptable to the Lord and it's not acceptable for your kids to say, you know what, I'm not really good at this. And so I'm really glad they've got a great mom. I'm not really good at the spiritual thing. I'm really glad my parents are. The interesting thing is, when we start having kids, we have all this energy and all this aspiration, and men, we are driven to succeed. And what we do is we find that success at work is the most fulfilling thing. And so we put all this energy in it. And what happens is we come home and we're wiped out. And so we need to kind of replenish. And what we do is we grab the clicker and we just tune out and we veg out whatever you veg out. You know, for me, it would be like sports channel. And you know, like, that's the time when we're getting done with work where, like, everything's going crazy with the kids and it's dinner time. And, like, you, your day just started. Let me say it again. Your real job just started. We, we, we can't delegate this. We can't farm this out. God wants moms and dads, but there's a special role as a spiritual leader, dad, that you have in your home. You go, man, I'm not that. Well, then you just, then you know that's where you got to grow and you got to ask God for help. God, help me grow to be a spiritual man that leads my family. And, you know, I, I just think there's a lot. The first sin in the Bible 
Here's the first sin in the Bible. Was Adam went passive when Eve was tempted and he, and he wasn't the spiritual leader that was to protect his wife and hold on to God's word. And so it's just so easy, men, to get passive here. The interesting thing is we're chasing success in our 20s and 30s, but what we're longing for later is significance. And significance is all about relationship. And you want to have a relationship with your kids. You want to know, and it's hard. And don't, don't pretend like I had it all figured out. Like, I felt like it was so much easier to have that with my girls. And guys were like hard. We want to have a, a relationship with our kids. We want to be involved in their lives. And so men, a call to arms. Uh, we, we need to engage, be present with our families and with our kids. So let me just read this one verse and it just shows what can happen in one generation. Because we go from Deuteronomy 6 and just remember, these, are the, these were the kids who walked through the Red Sea. These are the ones who got manna for 40 years, never went hungry. They had quail. Their clothes never wore out. All these miraculous things. They experienced God's deliverance from Egypt. And it, what it says is these people didn't do well in this very thing that we're talking about. In Judges 2, I think it's one of the saddest passages in the, in the Old Testament, in, in Judges 2, verse 7, we read this. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders. That's the parents here in Deuteronomy 6. These are the ones who outlived him, Joshua, and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. They experienced it firsthand. And after that, whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. In other words, they died off. Another generation grew up. That's the children of these parents now in Deuteronomy 6. And here's what it says of that generation. They knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. They lost their history. They lost track of who God is, what he had done. They didn't know. They didn't have a relationship with God. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's for all of us. That's what Jesus did, and that's our hope. We love because he first loved, and he loves our kids, your grandkids, your brothers and sisters. He, he loves them more than we do. He knows where they are, what's going on in their mind and heart when we can't figure it out, and he can get to the place that even as parents we can't get to. He can get to the heart. And he's always chasing their hearts. And so for the things that we could regret and feel guilty, we just say, Jesus, thank you for loving us, for dying for us, and paying for that. All the things that I've done wrong, all the regrets I have. And then you just rest. Rest in God's greater love for your kids, your grandkids. Rest. You've got a kid who's gone AWOL, and you did all the right things, and a lot of your kids are serving Christ, and then some have just turned and hardened their heart. You just rest. You rest in God's greater love, and you keep loving God, and you keep praying for your kids. And whenever they come back, and whenever you have them, whatever stage is making you want to pull your hair out right now, Listen to me, enjoy it. 
Enjoy your kids. Slow down to be able to enjoy. If we're not enjoying our kids right now, then there's something out of whack that needs to be simplified. Let's pray. God, what a great God you are that you would pursue a relationship with us and you did it in your grace. You delivered us not just from a tyrant like Pharaoh and through a mighty sea like the Red Sea, but you've delivered us from a, a whole greater bondage and issue and a deliverance from death and it's through your son's life and death on the cross. And so we love you for how you have parented us. Help us to catch up with who you are, your love that you really do desire, a relationship with us. And may that continue to grow and our heart's love for you to grow so that we can help our kids and our grandkids and all those that you've entrusted to our care to know and love and serve you. Until you come or call us home, may we be faithful. In Christ's name, amen.